Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory donation drive has combined for six and a half tons of donations so far. Hoover won the challenge in week seven. Jackson won in week six. Each school earned a $250 scholarship. The Goodwill Drive to Victory returns in week nine with Perry and McKinley taking part. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at each school throughout week nine to receive donations of clothes and housewares. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo and Todd Porter of The Rep and Chris Easterling of the Maslin Independent. We're here to look ahead to week eight for the Stark County area high school football teams and uh, a big week with Maslin and McKinley each going into the uh, into the week undefeated. And uh, Chris will bring you in right away. The Tigers again playing an out-of-state team. What, uh, what do you know about Sun Valley? Uh, they're not East St. Louis. Um, they have a really good running back, a really good offense, and a defense that I think my grandmother could uh, score against. Uh, uh, they, they, uh, I, this is far from one of their best teams on Maslin's schedule. This is a team that I – Nate Moore has been very honest and open this week saying that this is a game where their offense, I think, is going to be able to – to score some points you know they can't just show up and play but at the same time they you know this is a team i think they're gonna be able to to, to get a win a reasonably easy win like they had been doing earlier in the season and uh look ahead to a really i think a, a tough two game stretch in the regular season your grandma must have some game, Chris. No, my grandma's been dead for about eight years. <laughs> hey, you brought it up. You brought it up, not me. Uh, in, in all seriousness, no, this this Maslin team, how good are they? Last week, they were down, and, and they got down, I think, by more than one score at one point in that yeah, game, and, yeah. and they found a way to come back against a very good football team and win at home. Um, just what is the skill level of this team, and is this – a legit 7-0 team right now. I think they're a legit 7-0 team and and, and I, I know they, the preseason, I think some people might have rolled their eyes a little bit of the talk of winning a state title, but I think they're that level and I think that's what last week's win for did for them, is show them they can play at that level. That was a very, very talented football team. Athletic, fat, I mean, talent, D1 kids. Now, can they beat a Hoban? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not a best of seven; it's a best of one uh, in a one-game shot. Sure, I, I think they're talented enough to do it. And, and where I think, as much as they have the skill, I think it's up front where they, they really, you know, they got not just big linemen, but they got skilled linemen and guys that are committed to four quarters, just pounding on you. And, and for most of the teams they've played. Even C. St. Louis, I think that was a real key to the way they were able to win that game is the linemen were able to kind of, you know, opposing teams struggling that four quarters of just pound, pound, pound. And, you know, it takes its toll in the end. I ask you to put your psychologist hat on here for a second and just tell me what, what is sort of the, the psyche of this team? Are they still basking in the glow of the Week 7 win against East St. Louis? Or is this a team that's sort of looking past Week 8, as you mentioned, with, with Sun Valley? And I'm not real sure how tough a team named Sun Valley can actually be. Uh, and, and then, you know, are they looking past Week 8 into Week 9 against Louisville? Or are they even looking past Week 9 and are they starting to sort of mentally prep for McKinley? I think they're always mentally prepping for McKinley in in some way, shape, or form. But this team has been very good, I think, at understanding the buildup of the week, 
you know, and then sort of that 24-hour rule you hear coaches always talk about. This has been a very mature group in a lot in a lot of ways. I I think they they seem to handle success well. And from what I've I've seen so far this week, they've been very good. You know, the, you know, it was obviously an exciting win on Friday. It's a big win on Friday, but they, the, I think they're ready to play another football game. I, I, I think they've done a good job. You know, I think I think that's a credit to a good senior class, which is setting the tone for them, and a lot of experience, a lot of guys who've already played a lot of big games from last year, even. So, I, I think they're they're always peeking ahead to Week Ten, but I, I think they're giving this team the proper respect I guess it deserves while also you know knowing that it's as much about them I think I think that's maybe the biggest thing is they kind of it's about them not necessarily the team across from them and I think if they feel like if they get better each week then you know that's going to spell good things for them ultimately Joe, bring you back in here to 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 kind of maybe talk about the McKinley mindset when it's looking ahead to Maslin and not looking ahead. It's something you touched on in the story late last week on Friday Night Ohio uh, about uh, you know Maslin always kind of being there, but them you know having to focus on the task each hand. What's the what's the McKinley mindset as it heads into Week Eight? Well, I, I think a couple of things are at play here. Number one, being in a league benefits McKinley and just you know and it helps them to focus in on on taking care of things in the federal league, especially the last couple of years when they've they've stumbled a little bit late but you know it's I think it's easier to get up for Glen Oak and Jackson and Perry than it is for a team that's from out of state and you're not thinking ahead to that McKinley game because you're already playing guys that you're familiar with and and uh, I mean the other thing is I think the schedule has set up perfectly for McKinley just because they weren't ready to play with Met with Maslin in week one two or three they needed time to get to that level but you've seen and and Todd you've seen them play I mean they're they're a pretty good team. I don't know that they're as complete as as some of the greatest McKinley teams we've seen, but they just keep getting better, and they're just fast and good. And and uh, it sets up well that they're playing Maslin in Week 10 because I think they'll be ready for them at that point. It's been that way for a couple hundred years now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, when I look at McKinley and just how you, – you mentioned how good they are and, and how complete they are. Uh, and, and Chris and I were talking – about this earlier i don't know when the last time I, I actually i do know when the last time mckinley had a quarterback who was as gifted as heady and as good a leader as they have right now in life and his, his name by the way was a mcdaniels it goes back that far and i think that's the difference between this mckinley team and every mckinley team since uh the mcdaniels since uh, josh and ben stopped playing for their dad uh at mckinley and, and carrie hodakovic and winning state titles over there you know i think this mckinley McKinley team is is of 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 the same cloth as those McKinley teams and, and the thing that they have this year that they haven't had is they've got a it's hard to put your finger on it but it's almost like a camaraderie it's a family atmosphere there that they buy into and I and I give coach Reardon all the credit in the world because he established that these college visits that he takes these kids on in the summer he is so he has earned their trust he is th- this team will follow him and i don't know that they've had that since tom mcdaniels was coaching there those are great points and and you know elijah 
I was talking to, to Scott Garcia of Glen Oak today. I mean, he he talked about Elijah Curtis being the best player that he's seen this year. And, I mean, they've already played Maslin, so that's a, that's pretty high praise. And he, he just talks about all the things that, that Elijah does that people don't even see and just kind of gives him an element. And, and, you know, the thing that impresses me about him is a lot of the times we'll see in, in today's game a lot of bubble screens and stuff like that, and or they'll, and maybe they'll throw a bomb. But he attacks the corners and the intermediate kind of routes kind of in the way Baker Mayfield does a little bit and just you know he he doesn't throw a lot of 40 yard balls in the air I don't think he's actually that good at those ones I think he's good at just getting the ball out quick and with authority to those 10 12 yard out patterns and and uh you know it really just it makes you stretch out that defense and then you've seen their their run game get better and um you know but it's interesting that you just talk about the camaraderie in this team and I think last year's team had it but they just peaked a little early and they didn't get better and and by week 10 they you know they had so many veterans that I think they were at their peak and and I don't know if we've seen the peak of McKinley yet but you know is it going to be good enough to beat Maslin I don't know but they got you know two good games left to play and get better, and and we'll see what happens. It's interesting that Scott Garcia said that Elijah Curtis is the best player he's seen this year because, and I think the world of Elijah Curtis, not taking anything away from him, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what, McKinley's got a home run hitter <laughs> who can score from any point on the field at any given moment, and it's Kyrie Woody. He's a difference maker, and he's right now, um, and maybe we can talk about this after after the next break, about who, who are surprise teams or who each of us thinks are the best teams in the county. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Elijah Curtis, and I mentioned this uh, on the air last week during the broadcast with Sam Berkwin and Jeff Shreve, um, this kid is going to West Point. He's going to be entrusted with national security secrets. I think he knows how to attack opposing defenses. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Anytime we have one of those service academy recruits, and uh, there's been a few in recent years, and Chris, you wanted to jump in with something. Yeah, I wanted to ask Joe, I mean, how much is the emergence of Lemire Garrett help this McKinley team? Because, you know, the first half of the season, you're hearing a lot about Woody and Ross and and Curtis, obviously, but the last few weeks, you know, that added, you know, when I think of the great McKinley teams, as much as you think of the quarterback play, I think of that, that big running back, that, that stud running back, you know, who can carry the ball. How much has he added to this offense? Well, I think it's not just what he's done, but I think what the offensive line has done. Because, I mean, you watch him, he's not a, a shifty, game-breaking kind of back. He's a north-south power, you know, good speed kind of guy. And he's just – but, yeah, I mean, you watch that team the first couple of weeks and so much of it was relying on what Elijah Curtis could do. And they just couldn't run the ball very well and they couldn't sustain drives. So they needed explosive plays. And, and now they're getting those four or five-yard plays as well. I will say this about Lemire Garrett and, and Kyrie Woody and maybe one or two other guys. I, I hope they realize this because these kids are playing at a level right now that they need to continue to play at that level, stay healthy and stay consistent because they're doing some things on a football field that can change their life down the road. I mean, they're going to catch the eye of some college football recruiters and I'm not talking, they're going to catch the eye of some major college football recruiters because I think both of them are good enough to play at that next level. And if they can stay healthy and stay consistent and, and keep their head on straight and, and keep listening to Dan Reardon and, and following the journey there, I think those kids can make a difference in their lives. Joe, how much does it help with a guy like Reardon? We've talked a lot about him here. Having the experience he had in Youngstown where you also covered him and having he's been around elite programs with expectations and knows how to 
to to kind of take that talent to the next level. Yeah, I think it's I think it's huge because you know you look at what Ursuline did when he was there. I mean, four state state championship game appearances, three wins, and so he knows how to build a program and get guys to buy in. But you know, and he also just knows you know that type of city kind of school that he's that he's working in. He's you know he's got a gift for that. I think I think Tom McDaniel's did as well, and that's why they've had success there. Um, you know, and he kind of just runs it like a college program. He he trusts he gets good coaches he trusts them to do their job he doesn't try to get his finger on every little thing but you know his his whole approach i think is felt at every level of that program and and he's you know he's done a great job just in the same way that nate moore has done at maslin i think you know as long as these two coaches are there you're, you're gonna see them kind of emerge back as the two teams in stark county uh, maybe with with perry and in that in that mix too we'll look at uh, each uh, guy's uh, thoughts on the season as a whole outside of mckinley and maslin in just a moment remind you the akron children's hospital game of the week powered by iHeartRadio continues Friday, October 12th when Hoover hosts Green. Kickoff 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call each Friday night. And something you touched on a second ago, Todd, so we'll let you kind of open it. Just looking at the county picture from a whole, what, what's the storyline that's maybe surprised you this season? Well, I, I wanted to get you know Joe and Chris's thoughts on the best team that they've seen because I think I know which route they're going to go. But the storyline to me that's emerged is just McKinley and Maslin's dominance this year so far after seven weeks. And it is looking like um, that's going to be a dynamic football game. And there's some work to do for each team because and I, I know Chris mentioned Sun Valley this week is perhaps a bye week for Maslin. Uh, next week, don't sleep on Louisville at Louisville for Maslin. And Maslin, folks, by the way, when you start heading east and you got to park at the Giant Eagle parking lot and walk your way to Louisville High School because there's no parking, just remember this is this is what home field advantage is all about. I mean, there's not going to be any parking over there. You're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna pay seventy five dollars to park in Aunt B's driveway two blocks. Seventy five dollars. It's Maslin, so the price is gone. <laughs> the price Price of poker's gone up over there. So. <laughs> and, and I would say, if you complain about the parking, remember that you have eight home games this year, so you don't have to do it very often. <laughs> They're well, the <laughs> well, I will say that now, I'm, I'm interested, though, the best team you guys, because I'm going to go a different route with the best team that I think, uh, who I think Stark County's best team, maybe not is right now, but can be. Uh, Joe, who do you think the best team of Stark County is? Well, I don't want to steal what you're going to say, but I mean, McKinley's the best team I've seen, but Hoover's the team on the on the upswing that I think is just, um, you know, they're not good enough to beat McKinley, but what they've done the last couple of weeks is pretty impressive. I mean, they just put it on Lake. So, yeah, I would say McKinley is the best team I've seen. I haven't seen Maslin, um, and I, I'm interested to see what that game, that Week 10 game is going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, McKinley is, is significantly better than when I saw him in, in Week 1 against Warren Harding. Chris, who do you think? Who, who's the best? I mean, I, you've covered Maslin, so I'm, I'm assuming that's... Yeah, I mean, I see Maslin, so I, I don't really see other Stark County teams. So, uh, But, I mean, Maslin has been everything I thought it would be coming into the season, and, and maybe more. I didn't, I didn't think... I'd see the kind of the, the overall dominance that I've seen in a lot of these games, uh, but uh, you know, Hoover certainly is. You know, watching you know some replays and everything, Hoover certainly has been impressive. Perry at times has looked 
looked impressive, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm with Joe that what's awaiting in Week 10 potentially could be something very, very special that uh, we don't get to see very often around here, and that's potentially two 9-0 teams. That, that stadium is going to be uh, unbelievable what, that day. I'm, I'm gonna, and, and Joe kind of you know saw where I was going with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Hoover right now because uh, I know they're they're not as good as McKinley. Uh, obviously, they they were step for step with McKinley for a half. Things got away from him in the second half of that game. And I think if if McKinley and Hoover play again um, in the playoffs on a neutral site uh, down the road, I think I think you're although that might be a little bit difficult <laughs> for them to play again because they're different divisions yeah. uh, but but I, <laughs> I i would like to see them play again because i really think connor ashby is has grown a lot you know week to week i'm not certain that any player's gotten better from week one to week seven than connor ashby in stark county and they've got a really really good offensive line and they got adam gregualo who runs the ball so so hard yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some similarities between John Keller and Connor Ashby, the John Keller being their quarterback the last few years, except that Keller would just kind of go, he would kind of be good at, at some points in the game, and he, he's just inconsistent. And, and what you've seen is, is Ashby just plays at a high level the whole game, and, and boy, he's going to be a handful the next couple of years. He makes great decisions. So he's a very heady quarterback, very smart quarterback. Uh, he's the sort of kid that uh, you, you don't mind. I, I think he just turned 16, uh, so yeah. it, I, you know he's had his temps, I think, for six months now, and, and he, but he really has had the keys of this offense uh, probably since the summer, and, and, they, and Coach Baum over there has done a nice job of bringing him along. Chris, it looked like you wanted to weigh in here. Well, you mentioned not seeing Hoover and McKinley on the same field in the playoffs, but there's, I mean, Hoover keeps playing. I mean, we could get a legit chance of seeing Hoover and Maslin on the same field. And one thing Maslin hasn't seen a lot of this season, I mean, they're going to see it in week nine at, at Hoover, obviously, and they'll see it with Curtis, but they haven't seen many quarterbacks who can truly throw the football with, and that's going to be something I'm, you know, I'm interested in, you know, Ashby being a sophomore is, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a concern if you're coming in that game for Hoover, but he's certainly not playing like a sophomore. So, uh, you know, if if you're looking down the road to the playoffs for Hoover, if they, you know, should they get in, that's something I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know how he how he handles you know another opportunity at an elite type team like uh, Maslin or McKinley. We'll take it around the table real quick with this one too, Joe. Uh, since the mic's in front of you, you can start. Top player you've seen now as we head into Wake Eight. Who, who's your front runner? Is I don't know if you want to call it the best player, the MVP. You can maybe have two because you can argue both ways with that. But who's been the most impressive player? Uh, you know so far. Well, Kyrie Woody is a really explosive guy for McKinley. He's a wide receiver. It just seems like every game he makes a play or two that changes it. So, I mean, I, I would say that probably Elijah Curtis is an MVP that I've seen, but maybe the most explosive and, and best player might be Kyrie Woody. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with Joe there with Kyrie Woody. Another guy I'm going to throw out, though, um, to look at if you're McKinley. And, and another guy I'm going to throw out if you're Maslin. Uh, Lemire Garrett is a guy who, down the stretch, if McKinley's going to make a run weeks 
8, 9, 10, win these games, get into the playoffs, 11, 12, 13, they're going to need a guy who can run between the tackles, who can break some tackles, and who can bust some heads and, and, and find some yards the hard way. And I think Lemire Garrett is a guy. And the other guy who I, I believe does not get nearly enough credit uh, for as good as he is or as good as he's playing is Aiden Longwell over in Maslin. Yeah, I mean, Aiden's, you know, and, uh, you know, the guy I would go with, you know, for for my player is Jameer Thomas. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, just to know that you're you're wearing that target, you know, every game, every team knows that you're sort of the, the focal point of the uh, – of the offense and still go out there, put up a hundred yards, get hard yards also. And and when, when it gets the last couple of weeks, when they've gotten into those, those tight competitive games there in the second half with Fitch and East St. Louis, who's the ball been in the hands of number 16. He also had, we forget about his defensive, you know, what he does on defense. He had a huge tackle for loss on fourth down late in that game last, last week that, uh, I think in some ways sealed the win for for Maslin. So Jameer Thomas would be my guy, and you know, kind of like Joe mentioned, you know, kind of a guy kind of that I think is for Maslin to to go far is keep an eye on 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 really two guys, Trayvon Morgan and and Jaden Ballard. Last couple weeks, you've really seen we know about them because of their size, because of the D one offers. They're starting to really perform like Division one college recruits, big-time Division One college recruits. And if that starts to happen on top of, you know, Longwell getting in the football, that really makes this a very dangerous team, difficult team to beat. One guy I thought maybe I'd hear, but nobody brought up, Jake Ryan of Jackson, whose team, you know, probably isn't seeing week 11. They'll probably need to get real hot here down the stretch and get some help. But just from what I've heard from a couple of you guys have seen him play he's a, a a really good receiver db with jackson we'll talk about jackson a little bit in a second here remind you that the goodwill drive to victory donation drive continues next week for week nine at perry and mckinley high schools each school will have a goodwill trailer set up receiving donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week the school with the most donations wins a 250 dollars scholarship hoover and lake were participants in the drive this past week jackson and glen oak the week before that hoover won this past week with Jackson winning the previous week so far the drive has combined for six and a half tons of donations we mentioned Jake Ryan uh, Jackson has Central Catholic I know uh, both Joe and Chris have talked to the coaches ahead of that game and kind of a, a unusual little rivalry game that's uh, occurring in week eight outside of the league for Jackson and uh, Central Catholic clinging to playoff hopes uh, probably has to win out and get help yeah, and you saw that, I think, two years ago that they ended up upsetting Jackson. That was what got them in the playoffs and probably helped them to, to win a state title. They don't win that state championship game without that win over Jackson. And um, But Tim Budd, the Jackson coach, has not been pleased with how his team has played against Central the last couple of years. They did win last year, but he, he's, he's, he thinks guys get a little too focused on – Hey, there's my neighbor, and there's you know my buddy, and all that kind of stuff, and they're not playing good football. So I don't know what he told you, but uh, that's what he's. <laughs> Tim, Tim Bud shouldn't be pleased with how his team has played, and I like Tim Bud, and I like the coaching staff at Jackson. And this might be get me in a little bit of trouble. They didn't coach real well last week either. I mean, there there were times during that game I thought that that Jackson. There were some interesting play calls at interesting times in that game, and, and I just thought that was maybe the first time that I saw uh, the game get away from the staff a little bit um, 
last week against McKinley. I think there was. A, I, I don't know exactly what what the situation was, um, what the fireworks going off, the, the grand finale uh, after essentially the game was over. I think somebody hit the wrong button. But then there was there was some sort of a disagreement, and I thought. Jackson at that point was, it was still enough time in, to get back into the game. I just thought they let the game get away from him. Well, the other thing I saw was that Trey Wright is typically a really efficient passer, and he only had, I think, three or four completions. Three of them were against you know single coverage with Jake Ryan, which they probably didn't exploit as much as they could have. But <clears throat> they didn't really get him going, and they kind of relied a lot on Noah Albright. But um, you know, the other thing is, yeah, I mean, kicking game-wise, I don't know what they were doing on kickoffs, but they basically gave McKinley a short field every time. Sure, they, they gave him 50. That 50 yard, your, McKinley's offense has 50 yards, 55 yards to go to score. You can't raise the white flag like that. I mean, kick the ball out of bounds, for goodness sakes, or at least roll the dice. I mean, you know what? Don't kick it to Kyrie Woody. Mm-hmm. And, and I know McKinley's got dynamic playmakers all over the place. But, man, if you're going to give them the ball at the 45, 50-yard line to start almost every possession, I just think that you're really – putting your team behind the eight ball and and you know that was it was really the first time that i saw jackson maybe not play to their capabilities i think um and it's almost like jackson has become you know the hoover of the last couple of years and and, and hoover's become the jackson of the last few years because i think hoover's playing really really well right now yeah, I mean, I, and it's interesting because Jackson's, you know, they got a, a, a pretty winnable schedule, though, down the stretch. They got Central. They got Green next week. I would think they'd be favoring both those. And then, you know, a big Hoover game week 10. So maybe they slide in to week 11. I, I think they're that type of team that could be 7-3. and three. But, um, yeah, it's interesting because they're not – clearly they're not as good as they've been the last couple of years. Chris, looking at it from the Central Catholic perspective, I know you talked to Coach Linda Smith you know, pretty much throughout the season for stuff at the Independent. What's their mindset heading into this one? They just want – I mean, kind of build off of um, – kind of build off of last week's win over Carrollton. I think he, he felt like that was their most complete win of the season for multiple reasons. He thought he saw all three phases really perform well. He got that three-phase game that a lot of coaches – really strive for it they held Carrollton to less than 110 yards they put up more than 400 yards themselves and I think he just wants to build off of that uh, you know playoffs they know they have that's a long shot for the playoffs but you know if you beat Jackson and you know that's division one points that's a lot of division one second level points you know what does that do for them but uh you know, it's funny to listen to both coaches. You kind of get back to a point you made earlier. Listen to both coaches talk about this game. It's like they want to say everything about it that makes it sound like a rivalry game without just calling it a rivalry game. And it's—I don't know if they just don't want to put that much more onto this game or or what. But it, it's always fascinating. I don't know if Joe's gotten the the same vibe when he's talked to you know especially Tim I mean just in terms of when it comes to to Central Jackson because this should be a rivalry game I mean there's probably more kids on the Central roster from Jackson than there are Perry yet that that Perry game you know due to for a variety of reasons is obviously a rivalry game we're gonna wrap up here in a second but quickly we'll go around the table one last time with uh are we going to be looking at nine and zero versus nine and zero? I think I know the answers from all three, but let's let's hear Joe. Is it nine and zero McKinley against nine and zero Maslin in Week Ten, or does uh, does somebody stub their toe in the next two weeks? I, yeah, I, I mean McKinley's going to beat Glen Oak this week. I just, you know, Glen's really struggling, and and I just don't see Perry 
making that push in the elite that they've seen the last couple of years. They're just not quite as talented as they've been. And so, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. You know, I don't want to say any question, but I would be very surprised if it wasn't. I think that's going to be playing on the loop in the Perry locker room <laughs> going into week nine. But I, I, I 95% concur with Joe. However, I will say this. It is the Federal League, and crazy things happen in the Federal League. Correct me if I'm wrong. If Perry wins that game, there's a three-way tie for first place in the Federal League. And that is usually how things fold out, you know, unfold in the Federal League is something weird happens week eight or nine that you don't expect or even week 10. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not giving Mass on a win at Louisville in week nine because when when you were coaching and playing at Mass on the McKinley, the most difficult week to win other than week 10 is week nine because towns, everybody's mindset in both those towns is somewhere else. The coaching staffs are, are working overtime to try and just keep their players focused on, on for, for McKinley. It'll, it'll be focusing on Perry and for Maslin it'll be focusing on Louisville, but I'm not ready to give Maslin a win in week nine either. I think there's more likely than not that they're nine and zero. I wouldn't be surprised though, if both teams are eight and one. You guys are both kind of, you know, taking it stolen everything. I think it will be nine and zero versus nine and zero, but week nine for both teams is. I mean, Perry has shown it can be a thorn in McKinley's side, and and like you say, Louisville. You know, I, there aren't many atmospheres quite like Louisville, like a Louisville home game, and you know they're going to be really revved up for that game. First time ever playing Maslin in football. It should be one of the great environments I think this year uh, in Stark County High School football. So uh, I wouldn't put a you know, week nine is going to be the big hurdle to clear, but but I still just think nine and oh, nine no happens. If you're the Louisville Athletic Department over there listening, we need parking passes. <laughs> they, well, they, we, they, we, will, we will close out on that plea from Todd Porter. We want to thank and remind uh, everybody that we'll have a podcast Friday night. The Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week this week, powered by iHeartRadio, is green at Hoover on Friday, October 12th. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. Thanks for downloading and listening to FridayNightOhio.com podcast, powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository and Maslin Independent Sports Departments. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive returns in Week 9 at Perry and McKinley after a week off. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations for clothes and housewares. Throughout the week, school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast late Friday night after Week 8 is complete. For Chris Easterling, Joe Scalzo, and Todd Porter, I'm Chris Beppin.